Trevor Alpern, the team of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is the uh, is the creator, uh, the progenitor of the Zips projection system. His name is Dan Zimborski. And it, it makes sense to have Dan Zimborski, the, the progenitor of the Zips projection system, uh, on Fangraphs Audio because uh, for a number of reasons, Fangraphs, uh, this year in the electronic pages, we are carrying... Uh, not just we're not just documenting it in our projections area, the projections area of Fangraphs. Um, actually, in the in the main on the main site, uh, we are we are carrying we are rolling out uh, with the help of Zimborski. We're rolling out these Zips projections as I speak tonight. Uh, it's tonight where I am. I uh, no idea where you are. Uh, uh, tonight where I am, we have rolled out three teams so far. We began with the World Series champion. San Francisco Giants, uh, followed by another Bay Area team, uh, the AL West champion, Oakland Athletics, and finally uh, uh, on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday the day after Christmas, we rolled out the Washington Nationals, the the uh, NL East champion, Washington Nationals. We rolled out those three teams so far. Uh, due on Friday is the Texas Rangers. Uh, Texas Rangers, an interesting team, of course, um, and uh, some interesting projections with Jurex and Profar, uh, for example, and Michael, a couple of uh, names to look out for, but uh, in what follows it, we I do talk with Dan Zimborski about. Um, I'm curious. Uh, uh, well, I'm curious for myself. I say, when do you start the zips? When did you start the zips? When did uh, you know? When were your big changes to the zips? Um, and then I also ask on behalf of uh, readers. I ask. Uh, I do uh, an FAQ. This is this is an acronym that means for all questions, right? So I, I go through the uh, various posts or maybe tweets directed at Dan Zimborski. Uh, on Twitter, and I, uh, I collate some questions, and I present them to Dan Zimborski here, so it acts as an FAQ, which is an acronym, which means for all questions. So this is a thing that happens, and Dan Zimborski is a very pleasant guy. Uh, I catch up with him. He's in Ohio somewhere uh, that he says. I forget precisely where. But we have a nice conversation, and I say, Do you, uh, you know, tell me about this, tell me about this, and then he says something um, maybe a little absurd, but it uh, entirely charming. That's how most of the conversation goes, but I don't think there's anything really to object to. Uh, 50 minutes or 51 minutes, I believe, maybe 53 or 54 minutes of what is known as uh, as um, Radio Gold. It's known in the industry as Radio Gold. I think uh, anyone would agree that's what's to follow. It is uh, it is Fangraphs Audio. It features the progenitor of the Zips projection system, Dan Zimborski, and it begins right now. I should also say that uh, if at any point uh, I ask you a question that you have no intention of answering, uh, you should feel very free uh, about about saying so. Oh, I don't think I've ever not answered a question, even ridiculous questions that are off topic. Well, yeah, I, I've noticed uh, – I've entered a, a few of your chats, and uh, they, they seem to be uh, wide-ranging. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty generous with people. <laughs> where uh where uh, you say there's it might be snow where are you located at the moment i'm between cincinnati and dayton and there's a lot of snow outside right now and it looks oh. very very cold cincinnati and dayton now i feel like so I, we did i believe a chat of some description it, it was not a it was not an audio presentation we did a, we did a text chat at one yeah. time i've never done audio with you before yeah right and we did something like that and um 
I think that I thought maybe you were living more in D, the D.C. area, but I could be wrong. I used to I used to live in Baltimore. Okay, all right, yeah. I think it's a family reasons I moved out here. Dayton and Cincinnati. What's going on? Uh, what's going on in that area these days? Uh, my mom lives in the area, and she needs me around more for health reasons. Okay, yeah. And so uh, it's, but it's this... not going to the most hopping area. But as long as I have a laptop or something, I can work anywhere. So it doesn't really matter too much. What and is this? Uh, is this where you grew up then? Uh, no, she moved years ago with because of her work. Oh, okay, all right. So you're not uh, you you don't feel a, any particular kinship with the area necessarily. No, and I really dislike the chili and how they say pop. Yeah. Okay. So wow, you have a a litany of complaints. Oh, but they do have drive-through uh, liquor stores. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now this is where um, now the liquor is packaged. You, uh, because I feel like I've been to maybe to a place in Virginia, uh, Virginia Beach, where they actually just hand you a daiquiri in your car, which seems um, illegal to me. It seems like an illegal thing. See, personally, I think as long as you're below the legal alcohol limit, you should be able to do that. Uh, right. Well, but... I, I, of course, I lived in uh, Montana at one point, and there, and there were still areas in Montana where that was the case. Um, in, in Maryland, it, it was obnoxious because you can't uh, – Get liquor at the same place you get beer. Oh, okay. And in Pen- that was Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania had to buy beer by the case or the keg. You couldn't just buy a six pack of beer in Pennsylvania. Is this uh, your specific region in Pennsylvania or all over the state? I'm not sure. Uh, I was at the Maryland Pennsylvania border for a while. Okay. And so I got used to that, where where it's like we're not going to sell you a little bit of beer, but we'll sell you a lot of beer. In Maryland, you're not allowed to sell beer at liquor stores or anything. But in Ohio, you can pretty much get beer anywhere. I can go get pizza and then drink a beer like I'm an adult that can make decisions for myself, which is which is nice. <laughs> and what about in Baltimore? Baltimore, you, you you couldn't buy beer at grocery stores. They had to be separate stores to buy things. Right. Yeah. Now in um in Massachusetts, those are called package stores. Yeah. There was a um, along the border of Maryland, PA. There was a package goods store. Right. Where everyone near the border drove into Maryland to get beer because you don't always want to buy 24 beers. Right, and I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe in <coughs> Michigan. Oh, sorry, uh, excuse, excuse us. Uh, in Michigan, uh, I believe that is known as a party store. Those are called party stores, which no, well, is that, well, fitting. It's it's important to supply a party with the necessary materials. I mean, we're just trying to be responsible people. I've never tried to be responsible. Oh, okay. All right. There, there you go. So uh, so I am talking to Dan. I should say I'm talking to Dan Zimborski. Uh, we've already got some excellent content here, award-winning most likely. Um, but we are moving forward in, uh, to provide more content uh, as we go. Dan Zimborski, of course, a uh, man of many talents, I'm, I'm sure, in many interests, but uh, probably most relevant uh, to the present audio presentation, audio presentation, I should say, is uh, – is uh, he, you, Dan Zaborski, are the uh, creator of Zips? Does that sound like a fact? That that sounds like a fact. I'm I'm pretty sure, unless this has all been a long coma fantasy, but I'm pretty sure that I created it. You're created, yeah. Now, how long has Zips been around? How long? I guess here are two questions. How long has it been around? Like, and this is including its infant stages, and then how long has it been around for the most part in in its present state? Uh. I the idea of the genesis for Zips came uh in the late nineties. There's this there's this friend of mine who's a big Mets fan named Chris Dial. He's a Saber member, uh And sub- he's also he's a I should say he's a very vocal person and also very uh an active member, at least historically has been in at baseball Think Factory. 
Oh yeah, yeah. He's I I don't know how familiar everyone is with Chris Style. He's a he's a very excitable fellow. Um, we 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 talk a little about trying to make basic projections uh, because at the time there weren't a lot of projection systems around, uh, and we we were kicking around some ideas. And what we originally thought of was later kind of became what Marcel is a very basic projection system. Uh, but around two thousand two thousand one, I wanted to do something a little more. Uh, implement some of Voris McCracken's more recent research into projections, and then it, it kind of grew from there. Uh, the first two years were fairly simple as I was getting a handle on a lot of the things. It's mostly in the same format since about 2004. Uh, there's obviously been changes and improvements over the years, but the basic structure was there f- since about 2004. And so when you say uh, t- take advantage of some of the, the Voris McCracken research, I assume that you mean um, uh, dips, uh, defense-independent uh, pitching stats at some level. And can you, can you just maybe just – Mention briefly what what you mean beyond that. Uh, well, at the time, people had that had been doing projections hadn't really implemented any any nod to batting average on balls in play. Uh, so, an important part of early zips was it was a a simpler model at the time of trying to uh, use that information to try to increase the accuracy of pitching projections. Uh, and then I did hitters essentially because it's kind of strange to do pitching projections and not hitting projections. Well, so you started off with with pitchers alone. Is that the case? That that's that that was the uh, the uh, motivation. But very early on, it seemed kind of stupid to not project hitters as well. You know, it, actually, uh, purely by chance, uh, that's really the case. Is uh, but uh, over break, uh, or sort of uh, for my wife and I on our way out to um, the East Coast, where I am right now, um, I uh, stayed with a friend, and he had just read the Signal and the Noise, Nate Silver's book, and so I've been uh, I've just started reading it. And I actually happened to have just last night read the the, the chapter on Pakoda, um, um, of course his projection system. It seems like there would have been some overlap at least because I think Pakoda started off in the uh, in 2003. So so Zips would have already been around at that point. Uh, not in its in its final form, uh, okay. but it was around. Um, it was it was simpler at the time because computers were quite couldn't handle as much as they would today. Uh, Zips today would not ru- have run on my computer 10 years ago. Yeah, right. Um, it would and, not have. And so what were those uh, – do you do you have any sort of a recollection of some of the earliest and, and maybe most absurd – or uh, most absurd projections or perhaps uh, projections of which uh, you uh, you were proud, at least on behalf of your algorithm? I don't, I don't usually note, note – specifically good or specifically bad projections because in a way it can undermine your thought process going forward. You start to focus on the mistakes. You start to focus on the victories as as proof of your genius. Right. I I try to relate to zips and past projections on a macro level. Okay, yeah. And, and that's and – that's, correct me if I'm wrong, but for projection systems generally, it's – the first – I guess the first task – is accurately representing the population, and then and then you work forward to get towards uh, maybe specific cases. Yeah, essentially that that that's accurate because you can't let an outlier necessarily drastically change your thinking because you are going to have outliers. Now, do you ever see? Uh, I mean, and, and this is maybe you've already answered this question implicitly, but do you ever see instances where there is an outlier and you say, uh, "Hmm, I wonder if there is if there is something there." That would have been able to anticipate uh, anticipate that players, you know, either um, break out or collapse. Uh, early on, uh, I used to uh, 
implement uh, batting average on balls in play a little too aggressively in the first couple of years. Uh, but as research uh, came in, I was able to turn that down a bit. So early on, there were always a few relievers that I would look at and say, I don't think their ERA is going to be that high. Uh, Kevin Grybowski was one of them. Uh, but over time, I've, I've been able to implement a more rigorous model of batting average and balls in play. And of course, it's still going to be very volatile, but some some players like Mark Burley and Tom Glavin before he retired, Zips projects better than it did at the start. Yeah. So do we? So I know that um, at Fangraphs uh, we benefit from some work that Pizza Cutter has done. Uh, uh, Russell Carlton, also known as uh, Russell Carlton, uh, Russell Carlton has talked uh, done some work. Um, this is actually from a while ago. I mean, at least in terms of uh, internet years, um, on uh, the uh, the plate appearance thresholds uh, or batter face thresholds at which certain uh, metrics become reliable. Uh, so, for example, um, you might say strikeout. You know, for a batter, maybe a strikeout rate becomes reliable uh, relatively quickly. I think like 150 plate appearances, and then maybe walk rate is uh, a little bit more than that, 300 plate appearances or something. Now, I assume that that sort of information, whether precisely from Carlton or it, it, you know, uh, sort of um, your own regressions, uh, that must play uh, some somewhat of a str- of a strong role in in the projections. Uh, it does. I, I, I do my own research for things, not because I want to belittle anybody else's work, but because when you're designing a projection system yourself, you need to know for yourself how the numbers work out, look at it, deal with the problems involved. And and regression and plate appearances is very important. Uh, for batters, it tends to be around uh, 1,000 to 1,400 at, uh, plate appearances in which the regression is 50% to, towards the mean. And for pitchers, uh, batting average – on balls in play above team hits that 50% mark between two and 3,000 plate appearances or batters faced. And that's because there are just so many variables that influence that. I yeah, think. it's very volatile. It's hard. It's not to – I mean, you just said signal the noise, but a lot of it is it's very hard to take the signal from the noise. And that's that's a, a common theme when projecting baseball or even evaluating baseball because things like park factors have that same kind of issue where there may be real things there on a year-to-year basis – but there's just so much noise involved that you really can't extract it. Right. So, for example, though, uh, of course, Matt Cain is kind of a is a popular case study uh, in in the idea of uh, what sort of what control a pitcher may or may not have over uh, opponents um, opponents batted balls. But it does appear as though um, it does appear as though Zips is, um, well, I, I think, somewhat aggressive with regard to Matt Cain's. Um, BABIP against. I think he's he's projected for something like a uh, something in the mid 260s, approximately. Does that does that sound about right? And, and is that? I think it was a little higher than the 260s, but the, the longer Matt Cain goes outperforming his peripherals, the more of the, a basis there is to evaluate him as that an, as that being an ability going forward. So the more often he does it, the more credit Zips gets gives to him for exceeding his batting average on balls in play. Right, and and how again? How many? Uh, well, I guess you, you mentioned it. You said like two or three thousand batters faced, and it looks like maybe f- uh, like a typical starting pitcher will face about eight hundred or something like that. Yeah. So when so, so relievers take a long time to until you really can start believing it, um, and of course it all depends on the uh, the extent of the overperformance. If someone is just slightly overperforming for a couple of years, that's probably not enough to make a significant dent in it um let me get let me give you a prompt uh to, to which uh, you may uh, you may respond or i invite you to respond i should say um you could you could speak on it for however long uh, or short a period of time you'd like 
but the prompt would be this, uh, would be uh, prediction versus projection. Discuss. Uh, prediction versus yeah, projection versus prediction. That's that's always kind of a, a matzo ball in the soup. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you read the zips disclaimers that I always include in the projections, yes, there is there is a step that you have to take to to make it into a from a projection into a prediction because there are things that computers don't do very well. I I have some faith in a computer to sort out the statistics of a AAA player. I don't have any faith in a computer to decide who Dusty Baker likes. Uh, and that's just there's, – there's a myriad of these situations, choices that teams make uh, that, that, that really affect a player. Uh, while I can implement injury information, for instance, which, which I have uh, over the previous four or five years, you, you don't get that same detailed information. And it's hard, especially when someone has nagging injuries over a season. Uh, say, Dustin Ackley uh, with his uh, ankle problem last year. A, a computer would have a hard time picking out just the extent that that was affecting his bat. Uh, so I personally feel that Ackley will beat his Zips projection this year. And you'll, you'll end up with a lot of cases like that uh, in which there's information that's just really hard to implement on this kind of a level. Well, yeah, and, and um, perhaps another example of that, another couple of examples of that is, uh, as we're speaking on Wednesday, in fact, uh, the, the Zips projections for the Washington Nationals uh, were just posted. And that has a couple of instances. Uh, one of them is certainly a very um, well-known example is uh, involves Steven Strasburg. Uh, Strasburg, of course, um, had Tommy John surgery and missed, uh, missed much of 2011. Uh, but last year he was healthy, but he was also held back. So I assume that um, Zips doesn't know, for example, that, um, that the Nationals were sort of, I guess, artificially uh, suppressing his innings totals, and so therefore um, that most recent year, his innings totals don't necessarily reflect um, the sort of innings totals that a pitcher as healthy and talented as him might have pitched. No, Zips doesn't have that information. Zips does know that he had Tommy John surgery a couple years ago, okay. but it doesn't know any specific uh, usage patterns going forward. Uh, one, of, one of my philosophies with dealing with projections is I want to separate what computers do well and what people do well. I don't like projections to be a combination of the computer and my personal opinion because that makes it harder for someone to use even if it made it more accurate because nobody would ever know where where the computer stopped, where I started, how much I was adjusting for that. So when I include non-statistical factors in the projection system, I try to do it in an objective manner in which you have dummy variables or things that can a computer can deal with objectively. If a picture had Tommy John surgery, for instance, that's very obvious. You can tell a computer that you have information on Tommy John surgeries. But some of these more subtle usage patterns, you just can't do. Let me ask you another question. Um, um, why do you uh, and or Zips uh, hate my favorite team? <laughs> if I, get, I get emails from... Probably someone from every someone who roots for every team that Zips hates their team. Uh, it doesn't help that Zips usually comes out right after the Bill James projections because those tend to be fairly optimistic. So everyone will say Bill James says this. Why do you hate him? And I'm like, but projections are conservative by nature. They're you have to take into account injury risk. You have to take into account people falling off the face of the earth. Player young players don't improve in a straight line, and and old players don't 
decline in a straight line. It's not, it's nowhere near that simple. And there's a lot that even with perfect knowledge that we couldn't project. So, uh, seriously, why do you hate my favorite team? <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you hate them with your, well, I know that this happened, uh, recently because the Oakland A's, uh, projections just came out. Um, those were the se- that was the second team we did. And of course the A's enjoyed, uh, uh, a really exciting uh, 2012 season that saw them win a, what appeared to be, I guess, yeah, and what what ended up being a very challenging AL West. I mean, certainly the Rangers were quite good, um, and I think the A's won what 90, 94 games, something like this. I believe that's accurate. Yeah, and uh, and so you say, well, they won 94 games last year. I my guess is. Um, this is not to say that every fan would do this, but my guess is that many fans would say that is the baseline with which I'm starting. And so if they won 94 games last year, I say, well, how, how, will they increase from 94 or will they decrease from 94? I assume that that's not necessarily um, the way that one actually ought to go about it, though. No, uh, and you do get a lot of it because it's hard for a lot of people on a psychological standpoint. They've just watched a very magical season and then this, this, this nerdy – Baseball writer is saying, "Well, they're a 500 team, uh, and it, it kind—it's—it's of, it's, it's kind of difficult. People—people uh, people get emotionally attached to their team, and specifically with the A's, there are a lot of players that don't really have resumes that we can really be confident about going forward. We don't really know if a certain Cuban defector mm-hmm. was having an average season or his career season. Uh, we don't know much about him before 2012. We know his Cuban statistics, but it's it's very hard to use Cuban statistics in this manner. So you tend to have to err on the side of being conservative when making a mean projection going forward. Right, and you, you discussed young players too, and, and of course resumes factor to that. Well, first let's, let's address this basis. How does Zips deal with Cuban uh, Cuban numbers? I, I mean, there haven't been a million players to go back and forth, so I imagine it's difficult. Yeah, it's a very, very rough guess. Uh, the error bars are huge because the players that were in the Cuban league and here are are very small. Uh, you know, Ramirez in Chicago and and a bunch of minor leaguers, uh, Rolando and Rojo. I mean, it's it's very, very hard to get a real feel for Cuban uh, statistics. So so that's one of the reasons that Zips has been conservative. Uh, considering how good Cespedes was, um, it's more likely he had a good season for him than an average season for him. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, and then in terms of mi- uh, the minor leagues, uh, how uh, how does, uh, I guess, how does Zips go about that? Uh, how, to what degree does it differ uh, in translating those numbers than it than it might uh, in in utilizing the major league numbers from previous seasons. Well, we do have a, a much better handle on on minor league statistics and what they mean. Uh, I have a database that goes back to the early seventies now, so I have a lot of data to work with. Uh, I, I minor league projections will always be fraught with problems, but so are major league projections because there's a lot we don't know. Um, I was very careful designing my translations to take the uncertainty into account. Yeah, and I know like a, a player like Tom Malone, for example, or Tommy Malone, I think he's going by now, is a, is a difficult sort of player or, or it could be a, a perhaps a lightning rod. I, I, to say a lightning rod for controversy uh, would probably be an overstatement because I'm not sure how much controversy Tommy Malone's projection uh, <coughs> ha- has caused and continues to cause. But I guess it's the idea that um, – uh, Tommy Malone is, is, of course, is a pitcher who put up not only excellent numbers uh, in the minor leagues, but numbers that um, 
he was he put up better numbers, I think, in Double A than he did in High A, and then he put up better numbers in Triple A, in in the PCL than he did in Double A. So the the point being that, or maybe it was you know maybe it was the international league. The point being that he was going up levels and his numbers were improving as opposed to even staying the same, which would suggest improvement. Meanwhile, you know, he had uh, maybe 86. He has an 86 mile per hour fastball. So I'm curious as to as to um, I mean, is that something that Zips can account for, or or is Zips just saying, um, and perhaps this is the way to, to address that, is to say, yeah, uh, he's done very well, and uh, we'll give him this projection, but, uh, you know, this is not always, uh, pitchers don't always, uh, with 86 mile per hour fastballs, don't always have success at the major leagues. Uh, for younger players, uh, Zips does use less data because the most recent year becomes more important for a younger player than it is for, say, a 30-year-old player. Uh, actually, Zips didn't do too badly with Tommy Malone. Um, I think it had his ERA plus as 101 going into the season, so you can, you can, uh, in Oakland, so you can hardly call that, uh, Poor. A, um, yeah, poor projection. Poor I'm looking. Okay, I got it. Yeah, it projected him to have a uh, to go ten and nine with a 101 ERA plus, and he mm. was at a 105 or 106 this year. So, yeah. so I'm not I'm not displeased with that projection. Uh, the the general error ranges for projections are such that that I wouldn't take that as a loss. I'd be happy if everybody was that close. If everybody was that close, I'd have a giant Scrooge McDuck vault to to swim in gold coins. Uh. If you had such a vault, uh, I mean, I, I could say in theory, for example, I would, I, in theory, I would swim in it. Although I'm not sure in practice I would do so. And I'm curious, how do you feel about that? About swimming in a gold coins? Uh, I don't think it's too practical because it's not like water. You're just going to stand on top of the coins. Yeah. Uh, I think Scrooge McDuck, the uh, Ducktales, was kind of a, a dramatization of how the real life Scrooge McDuck. Mm-hmm. Swam through, swam through his vault. Uh, I imagine he he kept his gold in in bonds and and gold companies, and I don't really think he he really had a vault. Yeah, I I, I agree, uh, and he did uh, because of course he would swim. Uh, there was uh, footage of him swimming through his gold coins, but he he seemed to have a peculiar freedom of movement through same coins uh, that I don't that I think would perhaps uh, uh, would uh, defied physical laws. Yeah, I I don't I think ducks are are Newtonian objects. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he. I, I don't know a lot about ducks or or birds, but I've never seen a duck kind of turn into a gelatinous blob and fit yeah. through cracks. It, at least maybe, not, at maybe least. they do. Maybe they do. I don't I don't know where ducks go at night. They they could hide somewhere in mm-hmm. mailboxes or something, but I but, have no idea. Yeah. This is uh, <laughs> clearly absurd. Um, Let's see. Oh yeah, I had uh, I had put together maybe uh, some um, some FAQ type questions uh, uh, that I've seen uh, people asking you either uh, in the comments threads uh, uh, that we have here at Fangraphs or otherwise uh, maybe on Twitter. And so I thought we might rifle through some of those. Sure, I do have a Zips Q and A somewhere online, but I always forget to link that. Well, these are the ones I've seen most recently, and they might uh, they might uh, um, apply directly to the version that we've been releasing at Fangraphs too. Okay, well, yeah. go ahead, interrogator. Uh, right. So, uh, one thing that people want to know is, uh, we've set replacement level. Um, how many? How many? What does a replacement level team have in terms of wins? I set it between forty-five and forty-six wins because mm-hmm. that's what I get, essentially, from freely available talent. That's talent that's not on forty-man rosters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not on top prospect lists. That's what I get it, and it comes off in between where Fangraphs has it and Baseball Reference has and. 
Yeah. yeah I think we I think we've actually crept uh, I think we've crept towards 45 at Fangraphs as well. I mean, cuz I was under the impression you guys were still using 43. Well, I guess it's pretty uh um it is somewhat fluid. Uh, I, I think that last time I asked Cameron this off season, he said 45 now. But I, I do. I think it originally, when perhaps when we were doing the, um, maybe when he was uh, when when he was explaining war originally, it was it was lower. Um, yeah, it doesn't really make as huge a difference as people think. I mean, we're essentially just disagreeing slightly on how lousy a free player is. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Precisely. And. Um, and so, yeah, so it's 45 to 46, you say. But question, uh, if I am a fan, say, of the Nationals, can I just add up uh, the uh, the wins, uh, the the wins above replacement uh, among the um, the starters in the depth chart, the top of the depth chart, uh, come to a total of 47 or abouts, and then assume that the uh, assume that the Nationals will score uh, or will will win 92 games next year. You you could do that. Uh get a rough estimate, but I do something a little more rigorous there. Uh, I use a Monte Carlo simulation and the Zips percentile projections, because I, I have a lot more projections at my disposal than the ones I make public. Uh, I like to try to simulate uh, scenarios, and I have a I have a little covariance matrix for playing time, because uh, playing time also positively correlates with, with uh Good play because good players will get more playing time and, and lousy players will tend to get less playing time than if they underperform their projections. Uh, and then I usually simulate it out a million years and that's how I get my zips win total. So a million uh, alternate realities. Yeah, and, and, and in a million alternate realities, crazy stuff happens like the time the Astros made the playoffs last year. Oh, is that right? In a, in a million years, they made it several times. Is that right? Now, I'm curious. Uh, well, this is interesting. Have you ever uh, considered – And now, I, I assume that it's lost its romance for you, um, although I, uh, I wonder if you would ever be willing to inform me or inform the general public as to those instances where the Astros, for example, do make the playoffs. Uh, I, I, I have in the past. I've, I've included little tidbits like that in various articles I've done for ESPN when, when it's curious, um, when it's interesting. Uh, I don't I – don't, keep all the projections of every player in right. their seasons because right. that's a lot of data uh, and even my even my pretty good processor in my in my sabermetric supercomputer is is not quite up to the task of a of a workstation say for in the financial industry the uh, that, that is funny I, you could also i assume that the in these uh, you don't like i say you don't keep the data or like you say you don't keep the data um, but there must be situations where um, unexpected players or players are doing unexpected things, I guess. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I just don't save all the batter and picture reads out just for um, convenience sake. I mean, I could tell you what the one percentile projection for a player is. I just mm -hmm. don't have it connected with all these million years because a million years is already a lot of data and it takes a lot of time. Yeah, like, do you think there's a do you think that um, in one of those million projections there was a season in which uh, Uni Betancourt uh, was good? In a million years, it, that that the probability of him not being terrible approaches one. Oh wow, okay. there's an asymptote there. Okay, well, very good. Uh, let me do another one. Uh, let's see, another FAQ. Oh yeah, uh, you you supply data for Diamond Mind, I believe. Diamond Mind simulation baseball. That is correct. Um, but that uh, information is not being included in our Fangraphs posts. And uh, so what gives Zimborski? 
Uh, well, well, the thing is, they're, the people that wait for the projections for Diamond Mind mm-hmm. are a completely different group of people than the people who just want to see projections. Uh, and certain Diamond Mind things that I project are a little confusing mm-hmm. for people that that aren't into Diamond Mine, uh, things like range rating, because in, in Diamond Mine, each player has five possible range ratings from poor to excellent, and and things like that, which just kind of confuse the issue with the straight-up projections. So um, I'm, I'm keeping them separately so that the DMB players can see it, but it's not necessarily uh, something you want to co-mingle too much. Uh, I always had problems on BTF because there'd always be people that didn't get it and say, what's that? What's VG? And now I, I mean, it seems obvious to me what VG would stand for. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean vacuous eggs or something. Um, yeah, wouldn't yeah, that would be strange if it did. That would be really strange in a baseball yeah. context. Very, very gassy. With Vlad, Vlad Guerrero. Vlad Guerrero. Why, do you th- why are you projecting 15 people to be Vlad Guerrero? Uh, that doesn't happen. It doesn't often. happen. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, okay. So I, so I, so it, it's neater. It's neater that way. Uh, and and people will live. They'll 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 get the ratings sooner or later. Now I, I'm guessing some of our uh, some of our listeners ha- uh, have played Diamond Mine baseball or, or or currently do that. I know I've played a season myself. Um, and, and I know that one thing with which I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I struggled with it, I say that I was curious about it, was the defensive ratings. Now, I've seen you actually address that question uh, sometime over the last couple of days. You say that you're going to be even more conservative with them. Uh, yeah, the, uh, with five ratings, you don't have a lot of granularity to work with, mm-hmm. and the bars for run allowance are very far apart. Uh, like an excellent third baseman uh, – would save about 30 runs more than an average third baseman. And defensive data is such that you're never, ever going to project a third baseman or anyone to be 30 runs above average defensively. Uh, so you, most players end up falling in the fair, average, or very good range, which which is even more confusing for people who aren't familiar with diamond buying, which is most people. And another thing you've done is uh, O to B, which I think is like the odds of certain career events. Yeah, it's the odds of important baseball events. Uh, uh, I someone someone gave me that uh, that uh, acronym, but I forgot who, unfortunately. No, that's uh, okay. And and then will that be a thing uh, that you that you publish? Yeah, I'm going to stick most of that on the spreadsheet to to link later. Uh, I just have to get that all set up for posting. I'll probably do it in a Google document. Uh, or something. Uh, I didn't know that people liked it so much because I've gotten a lot of emails about that, uh, and I don't want to, you know, have Fangraphs have this massive data dump. No, that's uh, very kind of you. I mean, uh, very generous, Simborski. <laughs> yeah, because you're the one who has to do it until until yeah. one of the Davids gets back from whatever world hopping event they're at. Oh no, no, I will be doing all thirty of these. Oh, oh, so 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 you are are the kind innkeeper of the projections. Yes, well, I uh, I actually specifically – well, I did, I did not want to uh, thrust my nose into any place where it was not invited, but I did offer my services. I said, if Zimborski is, t- is too busy, I would be more than happy to uh, to collate these and, uh, and, and write some very brief commentary on them. Uh, I've always in the past just used preformatted text for yeah. for stats, and which which really isn't ideal. Uh, but I'm not really a web programming type guy. Yeah. So so it's that that part was always kind of a pain for me. So with uh, Fangraphs doing that part for me, it it eases my annoyance considerably. Well, that's great. That's good. This is an instance of one hand washed in the other, not literal hands, but figurative ones. 
I don't know if if I needed to and I couldn't wash my hands, I'd like I'd like to think that people would help me out. Yeah, they would, I'm sure, especially with uh, the sort of gift you've given in the form of of zips. It'd be a sense of uh, obligation, I think. But see, I think a good Samaritan would wash anybody's hands. Uh, yeah, and their feet too. If uh, I mean, if the New Testament is any. Uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of foot washing in the yeah. Bible. People must have had really sweaty feet back then. Well, you know, you wear sandals all the time, and it's in the but, desert. Yeah, yeah but, it's, but it's it's dry, and, and and I would think that sandals would allow your feet to breathe. You know, I I, I think it might be hard for us to imagine what day to day life was always like in uh, the hills of Judea. Well, it, it's fun to think about. Um, yeah. I mean, sandals aren't really great for your feet. Yeah. I imagine washing the feet isn't as big a deal as maybe massaging the feet because your arches would be killing you. Be, if yeah, you and, they, and there's hardly any anything in the way of inserts or anything like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sure that our sandals are much better than them. Yeah. Except Crocs. I don't think Crocs should exist. They pro- yeah, they probably won't. Now, you've, uh, you've uh, sort of gestured towards it. Question, though. Uh, when will the Zips projections be available in full, people want to know. People want to know that sort of thing. You, uh, probably a little after the Super Bowl. That's usually my target. Uh, and without having to deal with the, uh, the day-to-day housekeeping of them, it's an easier target because I usually get sick and tend to miss the target every year. Um, for people who, who don't want to wait for their team, the, uh, there's still a lot of Zips projections up at ESPN. Okay, yeah. Uh, what URL? How would they find that? I don't have the URL offhand, but if you search for Zimborski, you'll find my archives. Right, and that's your that's your name, Zimborski. Yeah, S Z Y. Yeah, it, once you get the S and the Z, you can, you, it usually fills out the rest. You uh, okay? Here's a uh, here's another FAQ sort of question. Uh, who is Steve Schartz? Steve Schartz. That that <laughs> is a mystery because I was looking at at the uh, the projections for the Nationals today, and I was just. Double check. I guess it was Henry Rodriguez's comp, and Steve Schartz came out at the top. I looked at that, and Steve Schartz wasn't a strikeout pitcher, so I found that kind of odd. And it's Steve Schartz does not seem to be the pitcher in the Zips database that Henry Rodriguez was compared to. Uh, so I'm actually do not know who his number one comp is. Uh, it's someone who played from from uh, during the early. 2000s and struck out a lot of guys and walked a lot of guys, but I don't know who he is. The wrong name is connected to his data. So the number one comp for Henry Rodriguez is unknown, secretive. Oh, my. Yeah. But uh, it is a person whose uh, whose surname is an unfortunate verb. <laughs> yeah. I think we can be clear about that, right? Yeah, yeah, we can. Um but you know, it's good to have a name that sounds like something because yeah. Zimborski is not really a verb. Or... Do you have a, Do you have a sense of what Zimborski means in in Polish? I would assume. Uh, it's from Zimbori. Oh. Uh, which was which is where that part of my family is from. Oh well, that's that's nice. It's uh, very compact. It's uh, yeah. It, it's it's explanatory. It's explanatory pretty pretty well. It's not like it means. It's not like it's big strong hero in Polish or something, which right. would be much cooler. Yeah, and probably much more relevant, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'd like the I'd like the people have that 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 picture of me as a muscular he-man, yeah, fighting off criminals and terrorists and aliens Same. with with my fists. Just, uh, That's the kind of image I'd like. To, I'm not really a wonky guy. 
Yeah. The uh, uh, now listen, Steve Schertz uh, does remind us though that comparables are a thing. Uh, you you sent you send me three uh, for the sake of space though, uh, and I hope you don't mind. I've I've included only the first uh, comparable uh, for each player. That's yeah, I'm going to I'm going to use my usual three. I'm going to stick them on the spreadsheet. Uh, okay. They're, they're fun more than anything because Zips uses a lot of comps. So really. The top guy is it too much more relevant than the 130th guy? Uh, right. It, we have to go with large groups, but but they're fun to look at, and it's fun to see. Now, can you talk a little bit about? Uh, no, I, I I know I asked you this in email, so what I'm doing is forcing you to repeat yourself. But could you maybe uh, just discuss briefly how how the comps are um, calculated? Uh, I calculate sim score uh, from from translated statistics that are that are neutralized as best I can. Um, both the quality of the player and the shape of the player's contribution. Uh, and there's information, like I have a modified speed score, um, handedness, their position, and, and I worked that out. I, I use a little bit of cluster analysis uh, to come up with a final sim score that that uh, ranks the players. Uh, cluster analysis is, is really just a fancy math term for playing one of these things is not like the other. Oh, okay, yeah. But it makes a much, much worse song. Yeah. You can't say, no, yeah, oh, you I'm going to play statistical classification methods. Yeah. It doesn't, it does not work as a song. It's not catchy. Where did you learn, uh, no, where did you learn cluster analysis? Oh, that, that was in college. I was, I had a mathematics major. I oh. went, and where was college for you then? Oh, I went to uh, Loyola. Um, the Chicago one? No, in Baltimore. Oh, the, the Baltimore one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I make my, I made most of my money trading commodities and stocks. I did a lot of, of um, SOS trading in the uh, 90, late 90s. Uh, that's the small order execution system. Essentially day trading when you could still make money from day trading. Oh, yeah. uh, and so I was pretty much doing that, and then I had more free time, and that's how I had time to write about baseball and uh, kind of refresh my memory. Yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, benefiting everyone. Yeah, but the, the comparables, some other ones we've seen – and. As you mentioned, maybe the the first comp is uh, is not necessarily any more significant, but um, because uh, the human mind wants uh, wants it to be, then I will force it to be, and I will force you to answer to it. Uh, we saw a couple interesting ones. Uh, uh, of course, you 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 brought this up via Twitter for Bryce Harper. Is that uh, one of his top three comps is Barry Bonds? Yeah, I I, I thought people would like that. Um, it's a pretty eclectic mix because it's. We don't have a whole lot of baseball history when it comes down to it, and special players have fewer players to be compared to. Now, uh, interesting thing about Barry Bonds, though, is I believe uh, when he was Bryce Harper's age, um, he was only maybe just uh, just entering the minors, maybe uh, something like this, because he started. Yeah, uh, so I have it here. I've, I've se- secretly um, looked at the internet. Uh, and I think his first season was a, as an age 20 player. So I'm curious as to how um, how the similarity scores might because they're they're pretty close in age and they're pretty close in some in some basic skills. Is that the idea? Um, yeah, Zips Zips gives you some leeway for a couple years either way, simply because they're, you'll end up if you're too strict about comparing 20 year olds to only 20 year olds and 19 year olds to 19 year olds, you'll, you'll just have everyone compared to say uh, Andrew Jones and Cesar Cedeno, mm-hmm. and that that kind of hurts things. So so when it says uh when the projection says that um you know one of uh, one of Bryce Harper's uh, most closely comparable players is Barry Bonds. What does that mean? Is it does that mean he's going to hit 700 whatever home runs? No, that just means that they're at their 
fairly comparative points in their careers, they, they had some similarities as players. Uh, Bryce Harper is compared to Barry Bonds before he was Barry Bonds when he was just Barry Bonds, a right. prospect for, for the Pirates. Who is still uh, a great prospect, though. Of course, in a course, yeah, still Bryce a great Harper, prospect, yeah. but he wasn't Barry Bonds. Yeah. Uh, like, you look at his age 22 season, that's, that doesn't look super different from, from Bryce Harper's season this year. Right. Uh, and, and so it's picking that up. So, so of course it's a possibility and he's in the model, but there's a lot of players that didn't become Barry Bonds or yeah. Carl Yastrzemski. It was there's... weird when Barry Bonds started introducing himself that way. <laughs> uh, well, he got, well, he got, uh, I think that's, that's what turned the reporters, uh, off to him, for example. Well, it's cause he added exclamation points to his legal name. And yeah. You do that, you have to say it. You can't just. Right. I mean, yeah. No, that's a, it's, it's law. It's, it's a law. mispronunciation. If I just say Barry Bonds, I haven't pronounced the exclamation points. Right. And he added them in. So there you go. Now, I'd like to add a question mark to my name so that every time someone says my name, they go Dan Zimborski. Yeah. That would just be trolling on a, on a, on a global level. Right. And so I guess you've, you've also sort of answered this question too, but, uh, for Jared Parker, he had, uh, uh, the number one name for Jared Parker was Greg, Ma- Greg Maddox. Oh, sorry. Ah. There's a, uh, there's an incoming call. Like I, uh, no, I don't think so. It appears to be my, uh, my grandfather calling my mother. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in Maine right now. Uh, am I, uh, visiting my mother? Is it cold up there right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, not treacherous. You know, you can, uh, you can go outside and make your way in the world. Um, we even went for a walk yesterday. Yeah, it's cold. I don't know. Have you ever lived in, in uh, the Northeast? I mean, you, you're in Dayton, I, Cincinnati. It can't be much. Yeah, I've, I've, the farthest I've lived north is the Maryland-Pennsylvania border. Yeah, right. Which and is, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not as cold as Maine. No, it's not. Been but to Maine. I've been to Maine and it was cold. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, uh, it's fine up here. Um, I'm, I'm, at, I'm not actually from this area, much like you mentioned, uh, so some, some place that my mother has ended up. Um, so. Ah, so you don't, you don't have that main accent because I, I don't detect that on you. I don't, no, no, no. I am from New fit. England, but, uh, I do not, uh, uh, maybe some things, you know, around certain people, but no, I'm, it's generally uh, it's an American accent, maybe American Northeast generally, but uh, sort of in a vague way. Because I've known people from Maine, and the Maine accent kind of sounds like a Canadian that got some kind of brain damage. Um, that might not be. I think for certain Mainers, that's probably an accurate description, not just of their accent. Yeah. Okay, I mean, that, that that that's the impression that I got for, of the yeah. Maine accent. Yeah, but they, uh, they of course. Um, um, you know they they've done some other things too uh, that are that are good. Uh, Mainers have uh, not coming to to mind at the moment, but uh, I'm sure they exist. Well, they 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 play a part in Stephen King novels, right? And of course Stephen King lives here. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry, I just turned around and my wife was there too. It's a it's a it's a real family occasion we have here, Zimborski. That's uh, good to know. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a hard guy to keep on topic. No, I understand. Can I pro- uh, could you project uh, some other things? Uh, like could you theoretically project... or right this minute? Well, let me ask you. Uh, could you project uh, how much longer um, uh, Dave Cameron and David Appleman will continue to employ me at Fangraphs? I don't know. I don't I don't have sufficient data for, for that. Uh, they they they've kind of kept that to themselves. What sort of data? I mean, I know. I mean, I, I assume you could run uh, regression. Uh, on it, but uh, I mean, what sort of data do you think would be important to that? Well, they they would have to evaluate how much you're costing them, and mm-hmm. and what kind of traffic you're bringing in, and uh, what kind of prestige value you have for the FanGraphs brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and there there's things you could do. Uh, your age probably has something to do with it, but I think that's illegal. But 
but people will still do that. People still do that. Yeah, people what, still do. It. You don't tell anybody. What do but, you think? Uh, uh, yeah, do you think that maybe? Because uh, I don't know for a fact, but do you think that maybe they get some sort of subsidy from the government for employing me? I don't know. Uh, was was FanGraphs bailed out? In in I don't, uh, I don't, think, I don't think it was bailed out. I mean, were were they? Was Dave Cameron trading in Seattle Mariners based securities? Oh God, well, the, the uh, because, bonds fell out of those. Yeah, yeah, because that that would have would have created a a, a severe. Yeah. Well, why do they have a AAA rating to begin with? Uh, I I don't know. Um, there there were some good things looking at them, and and some of the bond issuers, including myself, mm-hmm. overrated their uh, the strength of those bonds considerably uh going into 2010. Is that you and Zips or is that a combo package? Well, me and Zips, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of responsible for what Zips does. I can't just say no, no, that was the computer. I had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. I just I just sweep the floors here. That someone else did that. Uh it's it's hard. Um I I predicted them to be in the um and as of February, I predicted them to be in the 83 to 84 win range, which at that time would have won the the AL West and also led to them being on the front page uh, or the front cover of ESPN magazine, oh. which is partially my fault. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's uh, to date, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the only mistake that ESPN has made. <laughs> well, see, that one was that one was my fault. So, yeah. So I, I have I have a, a great debt with with the universe for that one. Uh, but uh, some of the assumptions I made in February started to fade by. By the end of March, uh, for instance, I was more optimistic about Eric Bedard in February. Yeah. And so by uh, March, we were down to 500 in second place. And after the season, if I projected using the actual plate appearances, we'd be down about 72, 73 wins. So, so that that's a good example of why it's hard to predict the future, even with perfect knowledge. Right. Uh, it. it it it's falls difficult. apart so easily. It's, it's projecting teams is very hard. Right. It's huge. It's more fun than anything, but baseball's fun. And really, most of this stuff we do is for fun. It's entertainment. Right. Um, and I think that uh, the nice, I mean, the, the, it, for me, I know, I mean, besides uh, what they offer, but, um, but even being very realistic about what the projections do or are there for, uh, it also, it's a sort of a reminder that the next season is coming, uh, that winter does not last forever. Uh, and you can uh, you can start to uh, to play out scenarios in your head about the next season, and uh, you know begin to sort of uh, uh, acquaint yourselves with with the teams and players, and of course new teams. The teams have a very different makeup, you know. So for example, uh, and Zips projected it like this: Bryce Harper will be playing uh, most likely be playing lots of left field this year, which I don't I don't know uh, that he did much of that uh, in 2012. Yeah, I did project him as a left fielder. You did say winter is coming. Was that a backdoor Game of Thrones reference, or was that just your choice of phrase? No, that would have been that would have been entirely accidental. Accidental. We have not uh, read or watched Game of Thrones. Uh, really? But I, yeah, but listen, I know it. I tell people, oh, I haven't seen any Game of Thrones, and then they say, uh, you're ridiculous. What do you, you think? I'd, I'd have to say that you, that I would project you to be ridiculous. Well, I appreciate. I would, that, that would be my projector. I would type in Carson Sestouli. Yeah. I type in the dummy variable of zero for okay. Red Song of Ice and Fire, the books. Okay. And it would come out with a high percentage of you being ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I'm sorry. It's 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 nothing personal. No. And what about for you? Who are your comps? Uh, my comps, let's see, are I, I would need overweight baseball yeah. writers, yeah. mid 30s, nerd, has a cool job. Yeah. Huh. 
that that's that's kind of my comps. Yeah. So we'll uh, have to have sort to that. Be. I mean, I, I think maybe overweight baseball writer won't be hard. Yeah. That that, that that's the easiest part. Because, yeah. Because there's not a lot of exercise that's involved in writing. It's not like working in a coal mine. Right. But, See, if if you if you had to if you had to chop down the trees and make your own paper, that that would be make it a more grueling right. um, job. But you don't have to. You don't it's, have to these days. Yeah. And I, I I don't even I don't even write on paper anymore. I don't I don't know what's happened to my handwriting. It's it's probably horrible now. Yeah. Well, you haven't needed to do it. Hey, well, listen, uh, Zimborski, I uh, you have fulfilled your obligations uh, to Fangraphs Audio. I appreciate it. Yeah, do you, now, but I should I should give you an opportunity, one last opportunity, uh, to make any other sort of uh, disclaimers or comments about Zips as uh, as they continue to be released on Fangraphs. Uh, don't blame me for what the computer says. It's not my fault. Okay. <laughs> is, 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 is this is this also a good time to like make various threats against people? Because that's always that's always fun. Just well, I'll give you one threat. Okay, Dayton Moore, please don't play Jeff Francoeur. Well, yeah. I, 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 I have a lot of Royal fans that follow me, and I, I just want to make that last heartfelt plea for them. See, I didn't threaten. No, it's I not really a threat. It is a plea, though. I just though, suggested yeah. that it would be good for him if he did not play. Yeah, well, Jeff you know, uh, people have been asking uh, various general managers not to play Jeff Francoeur or various coaches not to play Jeff Francoeur. Well, um, no, no. 29 teams love the Royals. Play, right? <laughs> yeah, right. If, but... you took, if you took a vote, if you took a uh, if you had an election and, and one of the questions on the ballots was like, question J, should the Kansas City Royals give Jeff Francoeur 600 plate appearances? And if all the general managers voted, that, that would be a yes vote. That would be a more landslided vote than the than a presidential election vote in D.C. Now, listen, uh, I, I know I said we were just about to go. One last thing. I've just opened up uh, – because you had sent me the Rangers projections, uh, which are right. which are going to come out Friday. This podcast, I think, uh, has uh, has probably come out of Thursday, maybe Wednesday if I was uh, feeling industrious, but probably Thursday. Uh, but what people will learn is that the f- uh, the fourth highest war projection among Texas Rangers uh, – Texas Rangers belongs to a player who, uh, who took probably fewer than, what, 20 plate appearances with the team last year. Profar, Jerickson. Yeah, Jerickson Profar, Thir- third highest, I should say. And in fact, uh, uh, well, it's uh, it's only by a little bit, but uh, uh, Zips likes him. Yeah, he's right there next to Elvis Andrews, who's the current starting shortstop. People say Zips is grumpy, but it likes Profar. It likes it likes Olt. It Michael. Like Olt. Michael. Yes, Michael. Michael. Olt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. We'll get. Uh, yeah. We'll let. Like I said, we'll let you go. But thank you so much, uh, Zimborski, for uh, for joining me on Fangraphs Audio. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, you can stick around for a second, uh, okay. but, but uh, we'll join you all on the other side. But I'll say uh, I'll say thanks to Dan Zaborski. I'll say uh, I am Carson Stuley, and uh, this has been Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.